cyber attacks are causing problems a lot this year, perhaps more so than ever. So when it comes to defending against them, what is there to do? We often hear there's a cybersecurity skills gap, but is it more about how people uh, can get into the industry rather than being able to find them? I'm Danny Palmer. This is DeadlyNet Security Update. With me to discuss this is Dr. Christine Izuako, CEO and founder of Cyber Pop-Up. Uh, thanks for joining me, Christine. So first of all, what is the sort of skills element like in this space right now, especially in 2021, where it seems not a day goes by where there isn't some big story about some sort of cyber attack? Yeah, thanks, Danny, for the um, background and introduction. And I'm so glad to be here. So thanks for having me. Um, I think the skills shortage is something that has been an, an issue and concern for, you know, quite some time now, quite honestly. I've been in the industry for about a decade now. And I remember when I first came in, um, just seeing the amount of demand and the amount of need when it comes to cybersecurity professionals and the fact that there um, still weren't enough back then and still continue, uh, that continues to be the case. And so I think, you know, where we are today as an industry is, right, the, the stats are all out there. I think the latest number I saw is like, you know, 3.5 million more jobs and people to fill them by like the end of next year or so. Um, and so it's a huge, massive problem, right? And I think that as an industry, we've probably been approaching it in some of the wrong ways. I think to your point earlier, there's misconceptions on a lack of, um, you know, qualified professionals and all of that, which to a certain extent is true, but I think there's much deeper rooted issues around um, how we you know, train and develop and build pipelines and upskill people and everything that can, I think, help a lot in this space that we um, just haven't done as well as I know we, we should. And so that's a big area of focus and a big passion of mine as well. You mentioned there how people say there's gonna be a certain number of vacancies next year. Obviously, it takes more than one year for some people to take themselves, for example, to university to train themselves up or do a online course and get a qualification. So how can uh, people and organizations, I suppose, go about trying to speed up the, that process in terms of getting the people uh, necessary to help uh, keep uh, ultimately keep uh, all of us secure when it comes to organizations, networks and all of our personal data that's in so many of these uh, organizations are right now. Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think the first side is that when I mentioned that, uh, you know, alarming amount of jobs open, it's kind of hard to, you know, have every job out there say, hey, we need, you know, five to 10 years of experience, right? When some people in university or whatever can't even, you know, uh, catch up with that. And so I think one side of it is, uh, making sure that we are realistic from an experience standpoint with some of these job um, uh, requests or job openings and saying what what do we truly need uh, to fill this role? Is it really five to 10 years of experience or is it something that we can, you know, take people who are early in their careers and maybe, you know, get them trained up or, or help them get um, some of the experience with mentors paired up with them and things like that, just so that people can grow in their careers. Um, and then I think the second piece is looking at tangential um, roles. I think that can fast track it a lot too. So it's like, if you have a, um, let's say network engineer who's been in tech for 20 years, right? And they know that inside and out, it's very, 
very easy to overlay security over that and help them understand, okay, if you, you know the ins and outs of this, then you know how to protect it with these, you know, very simple certifications or, or trainings and things like that. And I feel like there's so many different um, industries and backgrounds that translate so well in that, right? From, you know, people who have done, you know, uh, training or our marketing work could be really good in the training and awareness side of cybersecurity if they just learn that domain, right? I mentioned the, the networking side, project managers, there's all kinds of, of, of roles that I think translate really well into cybersecurity that we can quickly train and upskill people on to fill that gap as well. So when it comes to uh, the whole qualifications thing, uh, what is it about the, no, what, is there still remnants of the old uh, system where it says you need to have I know x amount of years experience because so, sometimes you you, you could the, it quite often crops up on social media you'll see someone asking for five years of experience uh, in uh, in this particular area uh, say for example a coding language when that language hasn't actually existed uh, for that long and it just seems that there's sometimes a slight disconnect uh, between uh, the, the experience required for the for these job job roles and the actual experience experience there yeah, I agree. I think that the certifications, qualifications, all of those things, they're important from the standpoint of it allows you to, I think, universally maybe, you know, figure out where somebody is. But at the same time, to your point, I think you have to be very intentional about what qualifications and numbers you put out there and question whether it truly does align with what you're looking for. And I think that from my experience, at least, I noticed that there's often a disconnect between the sort of cybersecurity teams and leaders, and then sometimes what um, uh, an HR team or somebody who's actually going out and doing some of the recruiting might be looking at. And so I think it's super important for those two groups to truly sync up and align on, on what's important. I think the second piece is when a lot of organizations already have very sort of standardized framework heavy approaches to how they write job descriptions and put things out there. And I think a lot of those templates and standards might work across different groups, but they don't typically work for cybersecurity. Because again, there's all of these nuances and it's such a strained talent um, uh, environment and so I think it's also important to take a look at some of those standard processes and figure out, okay, some of these things don't work for our industry for whatever reason, and let's figure out how we can customize this and make it work. And I've seen that, you know, work really well in, in the past in, in certain companies. And so I think, again, it boils back down to get, getting down to the basics of like what you truly need to get the job done and to get more secure and whether that is somebody who has, you know, developed their skills in their basement for 10 years or somebody who learned it in school, it doesn't matter as long as they can meet that goal. It's a classic example of how many jobs in, in many different fields will say you need to have a degree from a university in order to be considered for this job when information security is something that, as, as you just mentioned, you know, someone can learn uh, and become very, very good at it without having a single qualification at all. And it just doesn't seem right that someone with uh, a lot of experience in the sector might not be considered for a role just because they didn't go to a university. Yeah, I would completely agree. I think that when you look at some of the greatest, if you look at the, the opposite end of this, right, and you look at some of the people who are actually going after these, these companies and, and the people behind some of these attacks, 
I don't think they're learning their hacking skills in school <laughs> at all. <laughs> and so I think that the requirement for people who are defending against that to, to have a hard requirement like that just doesn't make sense. Because there's so many to, to the best professionals, while against school and um, credentials and all of that, again, are important. They help. Um, but it's what happens beyond that. It's what happens when you actually go out and start learning and immersing yourself and doing projects and, and you know, doing research and setting up your own lab or doing whatever you need to do to truly learn how to be um, how to be good at this. I think that's where a lot of the, the magic happens. So yeah, I agree. And that's a good point you make there. You know, ransomware gangs aren't, for example, aren't going to be saying, you need to have gone to university and get got these certifications in order to join us. On right. the cyber criminal side, if you can do it, it's like, oh, all right, come in, show us what you can do. Well, there's still sometimes that problem on the defending side, which I imagine can't be good when it comes to uh, defenses. If you're if you're essentially denying people who have the you know perhaps frontline experience of you know doing this thing, they're taking out uh, uh, sort of uh, mal malware uh, uh, operations. But you, the, just because the paperwork says they don't have a degree, somehow HR goes, "Oh no, we're not going to bother with them." Yeah, no, it's 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 crazy. I I know one. Um, guy, one of my favorite security professionals who I think he, his degree or his like education is in, I think it's like journalism or like writing or something that is not closely related to cybersecurity by any means. Um, however, he was really good at hacking like gaming systems as a kid um, and had done that so well and gotten so far with it and just didn't realize that there's like legitimate careers he could, he could do that. And, and so it was a prime example of how he went to school for something totally different, right? And has that degree, but it has nothing to do with, um, with his career. And those skills that he built were from a natural, you know, kind of passion as a child that kind of grew into um, adulthood. And so, so yeah, just another example of how, um, again, credentials, learning, all of that, super important. Like, I, I don't want to take away from from that. I mean, based on my background, even like it's it's clear. Um, I also take education very seriously, um, but I think in this industry, it's important to acknowledge that people have different um, learning, you know, modes and different paths, and that is okay as long as the the job is getting done right, and as long as we're defending against these attacks and being more secure. People can come from all different life backgrounds and have different experience, which is hopefully going to be helpful in the long run because uh, it's quite cybersecurity is quite well renowned, uh, unfortunately, for not being that diverse. And hopefully, if you can open up uh, these uh, roles to people who may not have you no know, inverted commas traditional qualifications, that is going to be helpful for both uh, you know, people applying for these roles and hopefully for the industry as a whole because. In theory, if you're adding more diversity to the workforce, you can add more perspectives, which might help you know, organizations do things a little better or think about things they may not have thought of before. Yeah, I agree. I feel like from a diversity and inclusion standpoint in the cybersecurity industry, we've honestly come a long way. We still have a long way to go, of course, but I still remember when I first got into the um, industry 10 years ago, um, the numbers were, I'll just say, much lower than than they are today. And so again, like definitely some work to do, but I'm so happy to see so many initiatives around, um, you know, just building diversity in, in the industry, building more, uh, bringing more women into the industry, more people of color, people from all these different backgrounds. Um, and so I think that's huge. I think also just from the, the value that it provides, and I'll kind of touch on the example that I gave earlier, that the people that we're trying to defend against, the same way that they're not sitting in 
you know, traditional school, learning how to hack into things is the same way that that population of people who are carrying out these attacks don't look one kind of way or come from one different background. They come from so many different backgrounds across so many different parts of the world. And so it's like, again, you have to, you can't defend against that by having one train of thought, right? You need those different perspectives. You need the people who are defending against these attacks to look just like the people who are attacking. <laughs> and that looks like a variety of different people. And so I think both from just a, you know, perspective, um, uh, the perspective and the value that that brings, as well as I, I truly believe that we cannot adequately defend against attacks or develop the solutions and the methods and things that we need if we keep a one track mind, like we have to have diversity in this space. Um, otherwise, we will fail. And as, as you mentioned, attackers are always evolving, always changing. What are the challenges that you think are going to be posed sort of moving forward in this space that as uh, cyber attackers, cyber criminal groups that keep evolving and cyber defense has to try and keep up with that? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple of different things. This, is, this could go so many <laughs> different ways. I feel like um, the the biggest challenges that I see are still around people. It's still the human element. Um, to me, quite honestly, and I might be a little biased because this is my favorite topic and this is where I've spent most of my <laughs> most of my time, but I genuinely believe this. I think that human humans are at the core of, of everything, right? Most successful attacks start with human beings. In order for us to uh, defend against these attacks, we need human beings. And so I think that that's sort of the common uh, denominator here. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest challenges, both around this talent shortage and how we continue to address that, as well as how we continue to just train and educate um, everyone on cybersecurity. So it's something that, yes, people who are professionals in the space or growing into the space are in tech should pay attention to, but it's everybody's business. And so everybody needs to, to have some level of awareness, right? Um, so those are, those are two things that I think are big. Um, and then I think on a more tactical level, when I look at the industry and where things are going, I feel like some of the areas that I would consider maybe like emerging, you know, trends or things or challenges that we'll have to keep up with are around um, you know, operational technology and the security there is really huge right now, right? So when you look at the, you know, pipeline attacks or, or things like that, I think that these are, um, it's, these are risks that have been around for quite some time. Um, I, I remember doing some of this research during my PhD program, you know, what, five, five, six years ago now, but it's starting to become more of a reality and it's starting to, these risks are starting to come to light more. And I think that the more there is awareness both on the bad and good side around these things, the more frequent it becomes and the more people try to exploit them. And so I think now we're at a point where everybody's talking about operational technology, which means that it's only gonna become a topic that people are forced to talk more about because things will continue to happen. And so, um, so yeah, I think that, I think the um, cloud security of course is, is gonna continue to be um, a, a big thing, especially as more organizations, you know, just embrace, um, you know, cloud and, and SaaS solutions, which quite honestly, I'm a huge fan of because I feel like anytime you can integrate security into existing processes like you can through cloud deployment deployments versus doing your own kind of security maintenance, um, that's, you know, always a, a plus. Um, last one I'll throw out, because I know I've been talking a lot on, on, <laughs> on this one, um, is I think that the uh, regulatory landscape and how people see 
sort of everything from data privacy to, um, you know, GDPR is not a, a new term anymore now, right? But that continues to, um, to be a, a topic of discussion. And we continue to see different countries and different, you know, states and different regions coming up with their own versions and continuing to, to imp, uh, um, enact some, some of those. And so I think that there's a ton of, I could go on and on. There's so many different challenges and so many different, I think, just emerging trends and things that we'll need to continue to keep up with. But that's part of the fun in, in this industry and what I love about it, right? Because there's always something to, to learn and to pay attention to and to kind of adapt with. As you say, there's so much uh, to think about here, and there's obviously no silver bullets uh, to to uh, to cybersecurity, to defending organisations. But what to, I suppose to sum up here, what are some of the key things that organisations and I suppose uh, people, uh, I suppose, should be thinking about when it comes to uh, protecting themselves from uh, cyber attacks and uh, malicious activity online? Yeah, sure. So I think that across I view it from two angles. One is like the everyday user and one is the business, right? Overarching across both of those, I think that the awareness is super important. Like you can't, you can't defend against what you don't know, or you can't protect what you can't see, or you can't, you can't do anything if you don't understand it. And so I think the first step is to educate yourself at the level that you need to be educated. So I feel like an, an everyday user needs to know the basics, right? You know, strong passwords, don't click on phishing emails offering you free money, um, <laughs> regular things like that, keep your um, Wi-Fi um, strong and all of that. Um, and so those are basic things that any user uh, can do. Um, then, then I think on the professional side and on an enterprise side, right, I think it's also having awareness, but it's um, more tailored to like your industry, right? Into what's going on for, for you because, and I say that because it can be very overwhelming to try to understand everything that has to do with cybersecurity. Like it's such a huge domain, right? And so I think if you can get to the core of what matters for, for you, then I think um, that's important. The other thing that I, I always say, and I feel like um, this is so basic, but it's still range true to this day is focusing on people, process and technology as an organization, right? And so making sure you have the right people in, in place and you build the right skill sets and the right teams, that is super important because without the people, nothing else matters, right? And so you have to have that team of qualified and skilled people um, to help you remain secure. Um, and then I think that empowers your technology to um, be uh, implemented and run efficiently um, if you have you know good, good technology, right? And then you have the processes and so to manage that um, as well and respond to incidents and all of that good stuff. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I think that the bottom line or the main takeaway there is awareness is number one. And then two is having some kind of strategic approach to cybersecurity that covers those three domains of people, process, and technology. There's certainly a lot to think about there and some great advice. And, and we've had a very interesting uh, chat today. Thanks for joining me on ZDNet Security Update, Christine. And for more uh, information on how to keep your organization safe from cyber attacks, uh, subscribe to the ZDNet YouTube channel. Of course, there's uh, plenty of news, features, and other articles on ZDNet.com. Thanks for watching.